Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 24 through 30, which reads, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. These are the words. Fellow redeemed in Christ Jesus. Late that night, Jacob stood on the banks of the Jabbok River, troubled, frightened, sleepless. Those dearest to him, his wives, Leah and Rachel, and his beloved children, had, at Jacob's insistence, already crossed the Jabbok, along with his servants and livestock and possessions. And now Jacob was entirely alone. Somewhere in the darkness, in the distance, Esau approached with 400 armed men. Esau, that vengeful brother from whom Jacob had stolen the birthright 20 years earlier. Esau, who had sworn to kill Jacob once their father Isaac was dead. And Isaac was now dead. Oh, how Jacob must have stood and sat and sat and stood and fidgeted and worried and wondered, where is Esau? When will he arrive? What will he do when he gets here? Will he kill me? Will he kill my beloved wives and children? Will he take what is dearest to me because of what I took from him? And most of all, that dark night, he must have wondered about God. Yes, God. Where was God in the darkness, in the trouble and uncertainty? Was God approaching? Surely God would protect Jacob and his family. After all, God was the one who set Jacob on this journey, saying in Genesis 31, verse 3, Go back to the land of your father and your relatives, and I will be with you. Earlier that same day, learning that Esau was approaching, Jacob prayed to God, and he said, O God of my father Abraham, 
God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. Lord, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers and their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper. I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Did God come to Jacob that night? Did God answer Jacob's prayer? Indeed. But in a way, Jacob could never have expected. God wrestled with Jacob, literally wrestled. The Hebrew word used in the text for wrestle, avach, first of all means to pound into insignificance. And then it means to wrestle in such a fierce way as to raise up dust. You have that picture? Two opponents struggling to push each other backwards and raising dust. One opponent falling, raising dust when he scrambles to his feet, rushes forward to enjoin the battle again. Why would God wrestle with Jacob? And that the man wrestling with Jacob was in fact God, no doubt the pre-incarnate Christ, is evident from the text itself. And Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. That difficult, dark, lonely night, Jacob wrestled with God. But to be more precise, God wrestled with Jacob. Notice Genesis 32, verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak, which seems to suggest almost as if God were the one to instigate this wrestling match. God was the first to crouch into a wrestling stance and circle and size up and hold and throw down and raise dust. God wrestled with Jacob. But tell me, hasn't God wrestled with you? Hasn't Jacob's experience been your experience? Haven't you struggled with God through a long, dark, lonely night of prayer? And just because the bumps and scrapes and bruises are not visible to the human eye, they are nonetheless real and nonetheless painful. And just because your wrestling with God did not raise up dust, did it ever raise up questions? God, why are you wrestling with me? Why are you opposing me? Why are you holding me? Why are you pinning me down? Have you never asked those questions? I suspect you have, because I've asked them too. I wrestled with God when my father was dying in a hospital bed for four consecutive months connected to tubes and beeping monitors and constantly pricked with needles and unable to swallow, struggling to breathe. I prayed, God, if it's your will, let him live. But, but God, please let him live, this man that I loved so much. 
And yet, by all outward appearances, the Almighty opposed me at every turn and with every prayer. And I wrestled with God once when, outside of the ministry, I was working in corporate America and lost my job and couldn't find another one for three years. Not for a lack of trying. I even applied at places like Walmart, Kmart, and McDonald's. Nobody called me. This was for three years. And I prayed to God, and I prayed to God and said, God, please help me find a job. God, don't fight against me. Fight for me. And yet at times the praying was like a slugfest, it felt. And the result of it was financial collapse, living in a one-bedroom efficiency apartment on the third floor. And without question, the worst wrestling match I have ever had with God was when I was going through an unwanted divorce. I prayed and I prayed to God to save that marriage. I prayed not from dark to daybreak, but for seven years. And one dismal night, I walked into the nearby church building. I closed the door behind me. I locked the door. I turned out the lights. And in the darkness, I poured out my heart to the Lord. Can you imagine the pastor of a congregation with his nose planted on the red carpet of the sanctuary? That's where I was. A place where usually on Sundays, I led a worship service and comforted others. But that night, I couldn't find any comfort for myself. Only the dust raised up from wrestling with God. So I've wrestled with God, and you've wrestled with God, but why? Why does God wrestle with us? Why at times does he hold us in place and even pin us to the ground? Jacob undoubtedly asked those very questions until the wrestling match was over, and until he realized that all along, through those bumps and scrapes and submission holds, God was preparing him to win the match. So what do we learn from wrestling with God? First, when we wrestle with God, we learn that God is personally, intimately involved in our daily lives and struggles. Honestly, I can't imagine a competition that's more personal than wrestling. Head-to-head, nose-to-nose, shoulder-to-shoulder, hand-to-hand, one-to-one. Perhaps we don't think of God wrestling with us at times as if it were personal attention, but it really is. Jacob prayed for God to answer and act and deliver him, and that's exactly what God did as the patriarch fretted and worried by the bank of the Jabbok River. And friends, God comes to us in the same way, maybe not the same place, the Jabbok River, but he comes to us personally. He comes to us through his word as we lie sleepless in our bed, as we wait for the results of a medical test, as we struggle to repair a hurting marriage, as we fret over church attendance or church budgets. But should personal attention from God surprise us? From the same God who came to share in our humanity to experience our heartaches and sorrows and to lay down his life for our sins. To me, that sounds like personal attention. 
Second, when we wrestle with God, we learn our own limitations and weaknesses. When I was a boy, I loved to wrestle with my dad. Nothing made me happier. And somehow, despite my diminutive size, I always won, almost always won, the wrestling matches. Imagine that. I almost always managed to turn dad over on his back and to pin his strong shoulders down and to count one, two, three, and then after that, leap to the air with my hands raised in victory, dancing around the arena. Okay, it was the living room, but dancing around as if I was Haystack Calhoun or Dusty Rhodes or Hulk Hogan. And yet now and then, especially when I strutted a little too much, and sometimes for no reason at all, Dad would pin me to the floor and he would not let me up. He would not let me up despite my wriggling and giggling and eventual complaining, Dad, let me go. You know why he did that? To keep me grounded in reality, to remind me who was in control, to show me that I had limitations, and to teach me that there were some things I could not do on my own. Jacob learned that very same lesson from wrestling with God. If you've read the book of Genesis, then you know that Jacob accomplished many things in his life through unscrupulous means. In fact, his name, Jacob, in Hebrew, Yaakov, literally meant he who grabbed the heel. Esau was born first, Jacob was born second, but as Jacob was being born, he was holding on to the heel of Esau as if to say, nope, I'm the one who should be the firstborn. Get back here. And along with he who grabs the heel, Jacob's name also came to mean trickster, usurper, deceiver, almost like that English expression we have, not to grab the heel, but to pull the leg. Quit tricking me. And true to his name, trickster Jacob tricked Esau out of the birthright with a savory bowl of lentil stew. And trickster Jacob tricked his poor blind father Isaac out of the birthright blessing by convincing Isaac that he, Jacob, was, that he, Esau, was actually, Jacob, was actually Esau. And do you know what all of Jacob's scheming and planning through the years accomplished? Nothing. All they led to was that dark and lonely night by the bank of the Jabbok River when for the first time Jacob realized he might lose everything that he loved and couldn't do a thing about it. Jacob needed to learn his limitations. Jacob needed to learn that God was in charge, that God's way was the right way, that God would accomplish what God had promised. And surely you and I need to learn the same lesson, right? There's no greater comfort than in believing and saying, God, you are in charge. You are in charge of this crazed, chaotic world. You are in charge of this problem. You are in charge of this illness. You are in charge of this ministry. And especially, God, you are in charge of my personal salvation. 
because your way is the right way and your way to salvation is always and only through faith in Jesus Christ, apart from whom what I am and what I do and what I own doesn't matter. And if God teaches us our limitations, if God teaches us that we have limitations and he has none by wrestling with us, by placing us into a submission hold, is he not to be praised instead of to be blamed? The fact is, the fact is that at times we do need to wrestle with God. At times, God needs to tenderly hurt us in order to heal us. But he always knows how much to hurt, and he always knows how long to wrestle, and he always knows exactly how long to push us back before pulling us forward into an everlasting embrace. Third, when we wrestle with God, we also learn his strengths, which is, of course, the counterpart to learning our own limitations. God graciously wrestled with Jacob from darkness to daybreak. But can we be honest about something? God did not have to wrestle with Jacob at all. In fact, the same God who created the universe, created all things by speaking, could have easily blinked Jacob out of existence. Instead, he gave Jacob just a glimpse of his power when he dislocated his hip with a single touch. Now, to oppose that kind of power would be foolish and destructive. And that's the reason the author of Hebrews says, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But by contrast, for us to rely upon God's almighty power is to undertake every godly blessing with confidence, whether we're crossing the Jabbok River or whether we're struggling to repair a troubled marriage. How many impossible circumstances are you facing right now? A difficult marriage? A serious illness? Financial stress? Career disappointment? A difficult ministry? How many impossibilities? But let me ask, how many of those impossibilities are stronger than God? And how many opponents can you name that can best him? No matter what the impossibilities you are facing today, I can assure you this, of this, that they're not as difficult as the impossibilities confronted by Abraham. And yet we read of this patriarch in Romans 4, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Fourth, when we wrestle with God, we learn that victory comes through faith. Listen 
to this really strange verse. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. What does that mean? How could God not overpower Jacob, a mortal man with a sinful nature, a man with a past resume of personal schemes and personal failures, a man who was so afraid of his brother Esau that he sent wave after wave of appeasing gifts, and when at last he met Esau, he bowed before him seven times. Was it really that God could not overpower Jacob? The touch to Jacob's hip proved otherwise. Rather, through that long night of wrestling, that long night, God taught Jacob that while he, Jacob, could not hold on to God with his personal strength, he could hold on to God through faith. I will not let you go unless you bless me, said Jacob. That's the language of faith. Faith which trusts God despite outward appearances. Faith which knows that God, who has every reason to be against us, has his own reasons to be for us in Christ. Faith that insists God loves me when times are good, and faith that insists God loves me when times are bad. Faith which recognizes that those omnipotent arms of God which seem to push us away are only preparing to pull us into an embrace. Do you remember Jesus and that Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15? How Jesus seemed to wrestle with her in a way when she came to him for help. She asked for help and he said, what? I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Well, then he told her next, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and to toss them to the dogs. But the woman said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. To which Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. You see, her faith overcame Christ's objections which is exactly what he wanted all along. The same way that faith overcame in Jacob's wrestling with God. John wrote in his epistle, whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it who overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Faith brings the victory. Finally, when we wrestle with God, guess what? We also learn to be better wrestlers. That's a simple point, I know, but it's an important one. I can't say that I have ever enjoyed wrestling with God. But I can say that each time he has wrestled with me, each time he has called me out, each time he's crouched down into a wrestling stance, each time he's pushed me away or pushed me down, I've become a better wrestler. 
better by realizing how personally involved he is in my life, better by remembering that he's in control, better by relying on his strength instead of mine, and better by expecting that in the end, no matter how long the wrestling match is, no matter how fierce the bout, God, my God, is going to let me win. And if it takes a limp for me to remember that, praise be his holy name. Amen.